everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Varying Viewpoints podcast, sponsored by the Samuel DeWitt Proctor Institute for Leadership, Equity, and Justice. And this is Mary Beth Gassman. I am your host for today. Really excited to be talking today about uh, leadership for public purpose, minority-serving institutions, and the Carnegie elective that is focused on leadership for public purpose. So we are going to be exploring the elective, and which we're going to call LPP, Leadership for Public Purpose, to make it easier. And we're going to explore its impact on leadership development in higher education, discuss you know, some of the motivations for creating it, uh, talk a little bit about how institutions can apply for it, and really just uh, delve into a conversation about this new uh, Carnegie uh, elective. I have some great guests today, and they include Carla Ortega Santori, who is Strategic Initiatives Manager at the Door Institute for New Leaders at Rice University, and Stephanie Johnson, who is Director of the Door Institute for New Leaders as well. So welcome, Carla and Stephanie. Hi, Mariba. Thank you so much for making the time. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. So we're going to just get right into things and um, lots of questions for you. So first of all, um, I'm really interested in what drove the creation of the uh, LPP and kind of how did this framework come to be? And Carla, I'm wondering if you can fill us in. Of course I can, Mary Beth. Um, So what I'll do is I'll take you on a little journey. Um, So for eight years, our mission at the Door Institute has been to really elevate our students' capacity to lead. So that means we lead all types of programs that make them better leaders, essentially. And after years of successful programs and data to back that up um, at Rice, we were looking outwards to higher education um, and to institutions in, in the U.S. and globally, and we just weren't seeing as much of that evidence. So we asked ourselves, isn't educating and developing tomorrow's leaders like a really key component of higher education? And we came to the conclusion that yes, leadership education and development have always been part of higher education's mission to address you know, real world problems and serve society as a whole. Um, I mean, 842 colleges and universities in the US alone include the word leader. Or, and or leadership in their mission statement. Um, but leadership program budgets are often very small with very few staff and no measurement of efficacy or infrastructure even to support any, uh, any of these like campus-wide efforts. Um, and if we don't have a uniform strategy, students will just not grow as leaders. Our data revealed that students' capacity to lead actually does not increase significantly throughout their four years just by you know, existing and attending classes. And unless they engage in organized leader development activities, um, then their capacity to lead actually does increase. Um, So a lot of institutions say they are developing tomorrow's leaders, um, but they have no central strategy. Um, Efforts are usually scattered. And we know for a fact that students are not growing as leaders spontaneously. So what were we proposing? How do we fix it? We were trying to look for answers on, on how to approach this like really complex and systematic problem. Um, and that's where the Carnegie Foundation's elective classi- classifications came in. Um, the system provided a solution by requiring institutions to 
conduct these rigorous self-studies to prove their commitments to specific domains. Um, so there's only one other elective classification for community engagement, which many um, colleges and universities might be familiar with. Um, and we decided to focus our efforts on, um, on asking institutions to prove their commitments to leadership for public purpose specifically, because putting it in your mission statement really isn't enough. Um, so through collaboration between the Dorn Institute for New Leaders at Rice and the Carnegie Foundation, the classification was designed um, to recognize institutions that are committed to leadership for public purpose, or LPP. Um, and this self-study helps institutions develop more of a centralized strategy for leader development. It fosters consistency and alignment, and it gives stakeholders more of a holistic view of leader development. So, you know, great, we had kind of a solution in sight. So we found a lot of support from others in the field, which is why um, the Door Institute hosted this working meeting with 30 scholars and practitioners from diverse institution types to draft, you know, a framework for LPP. And during that meeting, we discussed, you know, what would an institution that is committed to LPP even look like? Like, what are the indicators? Um, and we gathered input from a broad range of stakeholders to refine like a draft of the framework that we came up with. We collected feedback from scholars, practitioners, and members of the National Advisory Committee for the Community Engagement Classification. Um, improvements were made um, to address concerns and suggestions. And then we jump really rapidly to um, March 2022, which is when we launched the inaugural cycle. And right now, institutions can, can apply to be a classified institution. Um, does that answer your question? I feel like yeah. I, I took you yeah. through a, a, a long journey. <laughs> no, that's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's really interesting because I didn't really know that much about the background. So um, really, really good work and so important, especially now when we need people to step up and be in leadership roles. So um, yes. really good. Um, I'm, I'm curious, and, and if both you and Steph can answer, um, can you share some success stories from institutions that have participated in the uh, Leadership for Public Purpose pilot? Yeah, so I didn't even get to, to talk about that. Um, in 2021, before we launched the classification you know, publicly, we piloted an application process where nine institutions filled out their applications and submitted them. Um, we got a lot of insights and we also learned a lot about what other institutions were doing. And specifically, we got to learn um, how they changed because of the classification process. Um, because this process really is meant to be transformative, um, anyone you convene a campus-wide group to gather all this data and fill out an application as comprehensive as this, you know, change is just going to be inevitable. So, um conversations with the president will happen. Public affairs is suddenly aware of leadership programming. So we heard from many of the institutions and some specific things that we heard were that LPP is now being included and considered in strategic planning. So there's deliberate and intentional planning about how LPP is included in campus-wide initiatives and how it will be addressed, you know, in the next year or five years or in a long-term plan. Um, there's also just a lot of increased visibility, like um, a lot of communications around 
what is um, what is happening around the leadership education and development efforts that people just weren't aware of campus-wide before this process. And one of the most recurring themes that we noticed in the pilot is that very few campuses have a single center or department that oversees all leadership education and development. And instead, there are you know, various offices that um, or departments that do this work. So going through this application, campuses were able to identify alignment. Um, a lot of times break down some silos and a few mentioned restructuring processes. So um, getting um, getting aligned um, campus-wide as, as to what their efforts would be to address this problem or how they would um, develop students as leaders was, was one of the benefits that we saw our success stories. So overall, I think a lot of increased awareness and intention behind this work going forward, which is great. Nice. Nice. Steph, did you want to add? Yeah, I'll add to this. So at the time of the pilot, I was one of the directors at the University of Colorado Boulder's Center for Leadership, and we were one of the pilot institutions to go through the process. And I can just share uh, how transformative it was for us at such a large university, University of Colorado's, you know, the flagship university in the state of Colorado. There were at the time 17 leadership programs across campus and collecting the data for the Carnegie application for LPP allowed us to really build synergies across campus where there were efforts being duplicated. We turned that into collaboration. Um, we One of the biggest things about Carnegie's philosophy is that they really focus on continuous improvement and um, so by filling out the application, the goal isn't just to judge whether a school classifies or not, you know, to give them a gold star, but it's also, regardless of whether you classify, it is to help you learn maybe what you're doing really well and what opportunities you might have to do things even better. And so at the time, um, we at University of Colorado didn't have any campus-wide student assessments of leadership. And that was one of the questions. And yes, the 17 programs were um, giving out assessments to their students, but we had this realization that we could actually do campus-wide assessments to compare the leader development of students who participated in those programs compared to students who didn't. And how are students growing and changing from before they matriculate to when they graduate and be, you know even beyond as alumni? So through this process, you know, we have the eyes and ears of campus leadership. We were able to put those types of questions in the all student survey. And that greatly informed the leadership programs on campus. Um, so I feel like those are just two of the benefits. I could probably spend all of our time together talking about all the ways that we as a campus benefited from just the pilot application. Um, but now that I've done the application again um, at Rice University, we have a much smaller campus and um, maybe the programs were more robust. The Door Institute has been around a lot longer, but we still saw these same uh, benefits of building connections of the different leadership programs on campus, finding opportunities like, wow, we're not 
doing a ton to advertise our leadership programming to potential students. So that's a great area of opportunity. Uh, so that's what I really took away from doing the application were all of these learnings and strategies to do better. Oh, that's great. That's, that's so good too. I, I mean, especially it's nice when um, you're sort of uh, prompted to do your best work uh, by these types of initiatives and, you know, they just don't end up, you don't end up just sort of spouting off words, but actually make some really interesting change. So, so I love that. Um, so another question I had, and I feel like this is um, a timely question given all that's going on in the country, but um, how does the LPP intersect with, for example, goals of diversifying leadership or enhancing equity or fostering justice in higher education? And uh, Steph, what, what do you think about that? That's a great question. This is, a, I think, a pretty difficult time for people who are really committed to um, diversity and inclusion in higher ed, given the recent Supreme Court ruling um, banning what they're calling uh, affirmative action programs in higher ed. Um, but what I think is really exciting about LPP is that focusing on leadership really cuts across um, racial identities because, you know, we can clearly look at history to say that um, great leadership does not reside within any one race. It's, you know, equally distributed. And so recruiting students who have really exhibited leadership is a great way of increasing diversity in higher ed and showing a university's commitment to both leadership and diversity and inclusion. So I think that's huge. And then I'm, from a campus perspective, um, some of the questions on the LPP framework um, really ask you to consider questions around diversity and inclusion. And so for example, um, we looked at Rice at how our programs impacted retention among students at Rice, which retention is very high at Rice. Mm -hmm. uh, most students graduate within four years, but we found students who participated in programming offered by um, our institute for Carla Me the Door Institute uh, were actually less likely to drop out of school. And that effect was particularly strong among students of color and underrepresented students. So I think it's another way that leadership and diversity are really intertwined because bringing in students, connecting with them, providing them leadership education seems to really impact the likelihood that they're going to persist in four-year education. So um, in some ways, I feel like leadership is just a great equalizer. And having uh, leadership be a goal of universities can also serve other, um, you know, maybe even more important initiatives like DEI. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for explaining all of that, too. I think it's, um, I'm hoping more and more institutions are going to be thinking about um, how they can capitalize on the leadership they have, prepare future leaders, and just, um, especially in this, this type of work in the environment that we're in now. Uh, Carla, I'm wondering, uh, because we really want to get more minority serving institutions or MSIs to um, think about applying for the LPP uh, elective, um, can you talk a little bit about how MSI leaders can get involved with um, LPP? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, I think, well, the first thing I would say that of how they could get involved is apply now for the classification. Um, 
or or reach out to me if you're interested but aren't sure about how to approach it at your campus um, and are looking to champion that idea um, at your institution because we definitely need um, more minority-serving institutions to um, to represent uh, what what they're doing on their campuses and to um, provide us evidence of that so that we can highlight and celebrate um, the great things that they're doing and to understand the landscape better, I think, is also important. I think another way that MSI leaders could get involved is um, applying to be a reviewer for the classification. So the LPP classification will go through, once you um, submit your application, um, it will go through a peer review process. And it's the very first time, I mean, it is our first cycle, but it is the first time that the elective classifications use a peer review process. So we're really excited about that. Um, and we are recruiting reviewers to, to review applications. Um, and we would really love to have a um, diverse and um, highly representative uh, group of reviewers. So um, if they're interested in being reviewers, we highly encourage that. They can apply um, until, I believe, the beginning of September. So check out our website or sign up for any of our listservs or newsletters so that you can get information on how to apply to be a reviewer. And the other way that I think would be really helpful is if they joined our higher led um, community. It's an, a free online community where you can connect with like-minded um, individuals across universities and even in the private industry that are interested in creating more and better leaders. Um, and you're able to share resources, engage in discussions. Um, you can access events in there. You will be able to um, browse resources, recordings of stuff related to LPP, um, and uh, it's a great free online community. And um, yeah, so that's I think another way that they could get um, involved in the conversation and and engaged in the LPP uh, framework. Oh, thank you. I, I I love your answer because you gave me like way more than I expected, which was great. And <laughs> and um, the other thing is that I always think it's such a good idea to be a reviewer on something that you're interested in applying for in the future because it gives you all kinds of insights. So I'm so glad that you oh, yeah. that you brought that up. And thank you for um, the info too. Uh, we uh, will make sure to share that. Uh, uh, share that and I'll add that reviewers will be they'll go through a really thorough um, training process. Um, and it's like you mentioned, you'll be so steeped into what the framework is and understanding um, for, from a reviewer standpoint, how your application could be assessed. So I think it would be highly valuable for anyone interested in applying. Great, great. Um, so Steph, I have a question for you and, and that uh, it's another, you know, really, I think timely question, which is, um, you know, we've all been kind of thinking about uh, the Supreme Court's recent decision related to college admissions. And I'm wondering, do you, um, like how does the Supreme Court's recent ruling have an impact on um, equity in leadership development within higher education? Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I really believe that higher education is where leader development starts for a lot of people. Of course, you know, we all develop leadership across the lifespan, but higher education 
or those years in college and university just have a disproportionate impact on getting you ready for leadership in your future, um, regardless of whether that's in corporate America or nonprofits or whatever it might be. It's really important to set the stage for future leader development, which is why I feel like it's so important that we are really rigorous in how we do leader development in higher ed. Um, so the Supreme Court ruling can have a negative impact on diversity in and representation in a lot of universities. I think we will see that. That's uh, my prediction, having looked at what happened in states like Michigan and California that had state rulings and propositions that were kind of similar to this. Um, but I don't think it really has to have an impact on leader development, especially when we're talking about this in the context of minority serving institutions, because at least from my experience, there's huge potential and huge evidence of growth and leader development in those spaces. And so I think there's still this, you know, maybe even more pressure for MSIs and historically black colleges to continue doing what they're doing and developing future leaders. We are in a massive leadership shortage. When we look at all of the problems, uh, I think it's like what our, our country faces, just like the polarization, but then even globally, the challenges that we're facing, we need leaders and we need a diverse representation of leaders to tackle those problems. And so I really, you know, put the pressure on uh, people like me in higher ed. It's like, if not us, who? is going to step up and make sure that we have adequate leadership for the future. So I feel like optimistic, I'd say. Um, and I just echo Carla's point about the more we can get uh, MSIs and historically black colleges to apply for the classification to demonstrate the powerful impact that they're having on leadership in higher ed, the better. And if not this cycle, um, which is, the application is due this December, still a fair amount of time. There's still a semester in there. Um, but coming in as a reviewer, joining higher led, so you become more aware of how we're trying to support um, higher ed and the development of future leaders. I think it's it's just a great opportunity. Great, great, thank you. And I'm I'm I, I appreciate the very nuanced uh, answer about kind of how these things play out within larger higher ed and also within MSI communities. So very appreciate, appreciated. Um, Carla, a question for you, and that is, um, uh, and I think you know our listeners would really be interested in this. Um, what are some of the key elements that make an institution eligible for this type of recognition? Um, great question. Well, I think first of all, any institution in the United States that has a universal Carnegie classification would be eligible to apply. So if you are, um, yeah, if you are designated within that system, then you then you definitely could apply. I think more specifically, when we talk about what would an institution need to have in order for a reviewer maybe to recommend classification, then we need to look at the definition of LPP. And the definition of LPP says that a committed institution must do um, these three things, essentially. They need to develop leadership abilities in everyone, so not just those in formal leadership roles. Um, so it's all stakeholders, meaning students, faculty, and staff. 
um, some of the evidence that um, a campus maybe could provide includes data on leadership development opportunities for staff and faculty. So like if they have a leader development program for staff or a workshop series, um, that type of data is, is really helpful or even leadership programs for students in maybe all majors and disciplines um, is some of the evidence that they could provide of, of their commitment to that. Uh, second, they should be contributing to the broader understanding of leadership as a public good. So scholarship related to, to leadership. Um, evidence that a campus could provide in this um, area is things like examples of faculty research on leadership as it relates to things like, I don't know, social justice or individual differences in leadership. And also explaining or even exploring how that knowledge is used within the institution and also beyond, um, because it means nothing if uh, all that knowledge is just, um, you know, in a repository somewhere or resides within the faculty or in a department. Um, so how is that knowledge used is also meaningful. And then third, it also means that um, the campus or the institution prepares students to be effective leaders, not just in their careers, but in their communities and society as a whole. So um, evidence of this could, oh gosh, it can span um, a lot of things, but including data or information on partnerships, maybe with organizations that allow students to apply those skills in real world settings, um, or key insights from another leader development program and how it impacts maybe or relates to even alumni um, after they, you know, after they've gone off into the world and what, what is their impact then. Um, so meeting those three kind of big um, broad criteria is essential for, for universities to be classified um, as, um, as, you know, uh, designators of, of the LPP classification. Um, and these are just some examples that we've come up with when I'm speaking of the, you know, specific evidence, but we hope to see a wide variety of evidence that people come up with and things and programs that we've never heard of or, or, or known before um, so that we're able to expand kind of the field a bit. Yeah, I'll just add to that a little bit. And uh, having filled out this, you know, having the opportunity to fill out the application. Um, I feel like when you start off thinking about this, you know, Carnegie application, it seems like this big amorphous thing, like what, what the heck is this? And when, when you really get down to it, it is, the question is, is leadership part of the fabric of your university? Is it something that's important to the vision, the mission, the values, is developing leadership something that is really central um, to the university as it is in so many MSIs. Um, and then everything else is is a demonstration of that. So how, if it is, yes, it is, how are you demonstrating that? Are you, does it permeate what you're doing with faculty and staff? Does it permeate what you're doing with students? Are you evaluating um, that you're meeting learning objectives, just like we do when we're filling out um, you know, assurance of learning type applications. I feel like that's the whole, that's the, that's what the application is trying to get at. And even if there's areas that you don't have yet as a university, um, considering no university has yet classified, right? It's a new classification. Um, you can talk about stuff that you are 
planning on doing. Like, okay, we actually don't have some leader development programs for staff or faculty. And now we see that as an important need. And then you can, even if you haven't gone through the process, you can discuss what you plan to do because the classification lasts, is it for three years, Carla? Six years. Six years before you have to reclassify. So you have some time to apply and then implement those changes and then apply again. Whether you get it or not, you have to apply again. Oh, very good. I thank you for all the very practical kinds of answers, uh, because I think that's what people will, you know, when, when you really start to think about doing this, you want the really practical kinds of uh, steps in mind. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, just uh, that's all the formal questions I have for today, but just wondering if there are any last things that each of you would like to share for our minority serving institution audience uh, about the uh, uh, Leadership for Public Pur Purpose elective and also um, applying for it and, and really thinking about it and maybe, you know, why it's so beneficial. Yeah, um, I'll share mine. Uh, first, definitely listen to whatever Steph has said on this podcast because she has been through this application process twice. I mean, that is admirable. So um, all of her tips are amazing, and I would follow them to the, um, to the T. Um, second, um, applications are still open. So universities and colleges can start their applications um, until August 31st. So you just need to initiate it or purchase it um, so that we know that you're planning on applying and then you're able to edit and submit your application until December um, 1st. So you have some time to get those applications in. Um, and also please know that we, um, my job, this is my job. So I am uh, so happy to give any support um, to people that are interested or not really sure. Um, so I'm always available for a call, an email, um, and I'm happy to, to engage in those conversations with anyone um, that is interested in, in that. I'm here to support um, you. So um, I'm happy to have those conversations with people. And I can definitely attest to that as um, when I was filling this out at University of Colorado, I, I don't know how many times I called you, Carla, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> as one of the pilot institutions. And Carla hosts webinars about the classification. Uh, there's resources on higher lead and she's just like a really awesome person. So <laughs> if you reach out to her, she will respond. And um, I just, I guess my closing thought is gratitude for having, giving us the time here today to talk about what we're doing and gratitude to those who are working in MSIs right now. I feel like your role is more important than ever. And I just want to see for me, it's so important to see the list, the final list of schools that receive this classification is as diverse as the leaders who lead this country. Like we want to, or maybe even more diverse, but we want to see representation. We don't want to give the impression that leadership is being developed in certain institutions and not others, given that I know the true facts are that there's amazing work being done in MSIs on developing leaders. And I just want to see that represented in our final outcomes for uh, the classification. So take that as a little pressure or encouragement to reach out to us and 
um, get that application initiated. I think it's it's going to be really impactful in the future when students are looking for where to go to pursue their dreams that they, you know, a lot of students will look for universities that are really committed to developing them as leaders and particularly uh, leaders for public purpose. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I find, you know, as the mother of a recent college grad, I find that, um, you know, watching her and her friends search for colleges, they were definitely caring about things like uh, leadership, community engagement, uh, uh, racial and ethnic diversity, you know, all of those kinds of things become really, really important in addition to the degree program. So, so important. And then um, the other thing that just wanted to mention is that I, I love what you said about how it's important that MSIs be a part of uh, the institutions that uh, are in this elective, right? It's incredibly important because MSIs have such um, a, a long track record with doing this kind of work and producing uh, leaders who are make, making significant changes across the country. So I'm really, really glad that you said that. Um, and just, you know, thank you so much, uh, Carla and Stephanie, for spending some time with me today and talking about this important initiative, uh, Leadership for Public Purpose. And you heard them. They said that they are more than happy to uh, talk to people who have questions. So um, we hope that you will ask those questions. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. 